You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 2. I'm John and joined by John. How you doing? Yeah, good. Still here for now. Still here for now. Yeah, no, no sign of baby yet. No, no. no uh, holding on. Holding on. Hopefully, holds on for the, as long as the podcast lasts tonight. Tonight, anyway. Yeah. No, no disappearing. That. With that, <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, and we're pleased to join by a guest, so our first guest of season ten. So we've got director of Comarnock Football Club and also director of the Kelly Trust in terms of football and titles. There's other titles I could give it as well. Uh, but Kathy Jamieson, on how are you doing, Kathy? I'm doing good. Hello to both Johns and uh, hope you're still going to be here at the end of the podcast if there's a baby on the way. They've got a habit of <laughs> arriving at any point. Yeah, I know, but this one's um, nicely tucked up, so oh, <laughs> he's well. not coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, as I say, pleased to get you on because we kind of spoke about it kind of maybe during earlier in lockdown where it wasn't really as much happening in terms of the football inside of things. Um, so I uh, good to have you on. So in terms of lockdown itself, how have you been coping with it all? I mean, the whole lockdown experience has been uh, obviously stressful in some ways and quite demanding. But I think if, if we go back to uh, the last game that was actually played or the last game that should have been played, uh, and we got very little notice, of course, that uh, you know we're going into lockdown, although we, we might well have anticipated it. It's meant that we've had to make quite a lot of changes, obviously, around the club. And it's been quite, a, as I said, a stressful time for clubs financially, also for the players, for fan safety, and just kind of trying to see our way through that. But at the same time, I'm busy for the folks who have not been furloughed, because, of course, like a lot of clubs, Kilmarnock had to furlough a number of members of staff. Yeah, that must have been difficult as well in terms of having to do that. Um, but unfortunately, it's just the way that the pandemic has affected everyone, I think, all businesses and across the board. Um, so in terms of like the, the kind of club itself, what's been the kind of biggest challenge, would you say? Well, I think the biggest challenge, first of all, was, you know, making sure that we put in place all the kind of safety measures that we needed to um, around the ground initially. We then had to go through the process of following staff, including players. Um, nobody's ever really kind of done that before. Yeah. So it was all new. There was, you know, different regulations, different advice, different things changing on a day-to-day uh, basis. And then having to sort of work out, well, where do we go from here? We're not going to have an income coming into the football club. Um, are not lucky in the sense that we don't have, you know, a huge amount of, you know, we don't have debt. Um, so we didn't have that in particular worry. But you do have to still pay wages and and so on, uh, even although we knew we'd get some of the money back from the furlough. So it it was quite a kind of tense time initially. However, to be fair, everybody sort of pulled together, uh, made sure that all of that was done, made sure all the kind of regulatory stuff was done. And of course, there was a lot of keeping in touch with SPFL, SFA at that time, you know, to just make sure that we were doing everything properly. Yeah, talking about the, the SPFL and that, how did you kind of cope with the talks about reconstruction and different things like that? Was that something that was difficult to, to deal with as a club? I know it was difficult as a fan um, looking in from the outside, but I'd imagine internally it was difficult. Uh, 
Well, I think obviously we had internal uh, discussions and we're on a number of calls with, with the other clubs. So I'll not go into all the detail of that, but I mean, I think from Kilmarnock's perspective, um, we felt that we shouldn't be rushing to, you know, have changes um, for the sake of it. Um, and uh, if we were going to do reconstruction, we should do it properly rather than as a kind of uh, immediate measure. Um, I think personally, one of the things that I felt was we could have involved fans more in those discussions. I was in touch with both um, Supporters Direct Scotland and the Scottish Football Supporters Association, you know, to kind of try and listen to what they were saying in terms of what they were picking up about other fans. Because I think the reality is, and I did say this um, on some of the discussions, that if we are going to have reconstruction, then we need to do it with a whole range of stakeholders involved. It can't just be a small group of people. We need to have the fans. We need to have people who might be willing to get involved in helping us see a way forward and some external thoughts and, and voices and that would have been um, beneficial. So that, that was the kind of view that Kilmarnock uh, took on it, as we'd like to see a bit more discussion, a bit more involvement with the fans. Do you think reconstruction is something that you might talk about for future seasons? Look, I, I think uh, it's something that, if, if we're being honest about it, uh, I think what the pandemic has done has made us look at look, what is the structure, what is the shape of Scottish football. And we're now looking at having a very, very cramped and packed season, both with the league matches, cup matches. We've got, obviously, you know, some of the lower leagues not yet starting. And I think it's something that's got to be on the agenda for the future. You know, what is the shape of Scottish football? What do we want to see, not just in, you know, the top league, but right throughout? And again, one of the other things that I think the pandemic has done is give us the opportunity, again, through um, Supporters Direct Scotland um, and the other fans' organisations, is maybe just to kind of make some contacts uh, with different clubs that, you know, certainly for me, coming relatively new in as a director uh, and speaking to uh, people in other clubs and finding out what their issues are and some of the things that they're facing in the future. So I, I do think we have to keep it on the agenda. I think it's good anyway, if the, at least if the clubs are talking together and are kind of trying to work collaboratively, then that's that's a good thing, a positive, as opposed to all the clubs maybe kind of, obviously understand the big clubs have to look out for themselves, but for the greater good of the game, um, there needs to be, I think, a collab, collaborative approach. And as you say, fan input's vital, because without fans, there is no club. Well, that, that's that's always what, what we say, you know, the, the fans are the lifeblood of football. And look, I absolutely get what the, the fans of those clubs who were relegated must be feeling like. I think if, you know, if it had been Kilmarnock in that situation, you know, I, I don't think I would have been too happy about it. But the reality was that I think we had to take the decision that it was you know, just not going to be possible to complete the matches, to complete the season as things stood. And it was a it was a really, really tough decision. But, you know, we've been through a process there. We need to kick on um, and go on with the rest of the get go on with the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of your involvement with Kilmarnock itself as director, how did that kind of first come about? Was that something you were keen to do for a while? Or? Uh, it's it's a kind of interesting one how it came about because um, I, I've been around uh, the you know the kind of the Kelly Trust, but the kind of football supporters trust movement um, for many many years. Well, way back to you know when I was in, in politics and was indeed one of the folk who um, helped to. Make sure that Supporters Direct, you know, as the first kind of fans organisation, it got funded. 
And uh, I really, although I'd been a member of the Kelly Trust, I hadn't really taken a, a sort of active role, you know, at the time that, that I was in politics. I didn't feel that would be uh, correct um, to do so. However, when I left um, Parliament, I, I was asked by a number of the, the then Trust Board members, would I consider going on to the Trust Board, which I did. And we then had the discussions with the football club, there'd be a lot of work going on in the background, on the basis that if we raised a certain amount of money to invest in the club, then the trust would get a director uh, on the board. And, and the, the trust, the Kelly Trust decided that it would put me forward um, as uh, their nominee. Now, that was an interesting process at the time because then uh, we had to go through a bit of a process with the football club who wanted to have a choice of people and, uh, you, you know, so it wouldn't just be one person automatically and put forward. So there were a few people put forward. We all went along, had discussions, had a bit of an interview and uh, I, I came out as the, the person that, that people wanted um, at that stage. So it, it was interesting as well because I, I think people perhaps thought that the role of the supporter director would be a bit different. But, you know, for me, I, I've got the same responsibilities as the other directors have you know, in terms of the fiduciary duties, you know, the responsibility to the shareholders to look after the finances, the club and all of that. But I've got a bit of extra responsibility, as I see it, in terms of making sure that the fans' voice, you know, the voice of the trust, uh, you know, and, and the people that I represent is, is heard um, in the club. And I think that's something that was new. You know, it, it takes a wee bit of time to sort of get that underway. But I think we have, you know, gradually made a difference. And I think if, if you look back to... The relationship that they're aware with fans at Kilmarnock Football Club not so long ago to, to the way things are now, it, it's like night and day, totally different. And I think that's the difference that having somebody on the board acting as that kind of bridge with the fans can really make. Yeah, How hard did uh, you, you guys have to work um, to, as you mentioned, um, there was a bit of apathy under like, the previous regime, um, It's from that's why I'm seeing it from the outsider's point of view, because things weren't great under Michael Johnson, the club nearly got get relegated, um, but, um, so how hard did you have to work to make sure you got more fans back on site? Well, I, I think that there's kind of two aspects to that. One um, really is around, first of all, convincing um, the fans uh, that actually the trust and that kind of idea having a shareholding, you know, from the fans in the club. Uh, because we didn't start out, you know, as some trusts do, with a kind of full community ownership plan. Uh, it was very much about, look, we'll get somebody onto the board and we'll work with uh, Billy Bowie and, and, and Phyllis McLeish, as it then uh, turned out she came on the board um, as well. So I think that there was that aspect of trying to persuade the fans, some of the fans, that it was a good idea, uh, but also trying to persuade the club and the directors that were there at that time that this isn't about you know somebody coming on to disrupt. Obviously, if there's things I didn't like or I, I didn't agree with, I would say. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the best for Kilmarnock Football Club and really trying to make it much more of a cooperative effort between you know the the, the club. Um, the fans, the su different supporters groups, e even within, you know, Kelly, to make sure that everybody feels part of that process. Because at the end of the day, we're all on the same side. Didn't always feel like that before. Uh, and at times, it was quite, yeah, um, yeah, it, it was quite tense. The relationship that was there before, uh, when you know Michael Johnson uh, was there, was not an easy one. And I think the fans felt largely that their voices were not considered at all at that stage. 
so in terms of obviously getting the kind of fans on side, there's a bit of a big drive in terms of having Kilmarnock operating almost as a kind of community club, getting the fans all together and everything like that. So what kind of things have been done to do that? Obviously, there's a killer trust at sale, but there's plenty of other projects as well, isn't there? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the trust uh, has run a number of, of different projects. I mean, the first one was to raise £100,000 to invest in the club in order to get a seat um, on the board. And there's been a kind of real push as well to uh, set up what is called Trust and Kelly uh, initiative, which is basically where fans are contributing on a regular monthly basis uh, into the club. And, you know, during the, the pandemic period, that became really important because the, the minute we went into lockdown, the trust was able to decide, well, look, we've got money uh, in the bank that would be going over um, to the club. We're able to put another £50,000 over pretty much straight away. And since then, every penny that's been raised through the trust in Kelly each month, which is about seven, eight thousand, between £7,000 and £8,000, has gone to the club, given a bit of um, additional income uh, during that time. So we have that. Uh, we we put in the funded the safe standing area uh, in the stadium, and uh, as part of that became I think the first we think we are we believe we are the first club in the UK to have done that uh, in the family sections. We've got two separate safe standing uh, areas. We have uh, raised money to fund uh, adaptations for our disabled supporters. There'll be a new uh, platform for um, wheelchair. Um, access. We've done a number of things around um, the club as well recently in terms of um, providing equipment for uh, sanit- hand sanitizers and so on so that when we do get fans back in. Um, so they're, they're very practical things like that but we've also worked with the KCST which is the Kilmarnock Community Sports Trust um, to ensure that the work that was done there in the local community with kids and elderly people through football memories and through some of the health eating programmes and so on uh, is supported. And just recently we have purchased a couple of um, tech ball uh, tables, um, which uh, one of the good things about the pandemic, if there was a good a good side to it, was that we um, actually got two for the price of one because the company that were selling things um, were desperate to make sales and so a very good deal on getting to these big tech ball tables uh, so that we could use them out in the community. Other things like you know just this week voyage to the new Kelly mascot, uh, the Kelly Trust, the Supporters Association uh, and the KCST all working together to run a competition. I, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, we've now got um, Captain Conker as our uh, new uh, mascot, um, a slightly fitter-looking squirrel than the previous squirrel. Who was a bit <laughs> on the side. Um, so it, all of those things, I think, help us reach out um, into the local community, as well as the other work we've been doing around you know, supporting the food bank, supporting uh, different initiatives in, in the local area. Yeah. I know something as well. I mean, I live in Ayrshire, sort of, um, and things that I've seen as well was like from working in Kilmarnock previously, the players been out and about trying to get people to get season tickets, um, which I thought was great. And they were just like, they are chatting away to the fans quite the thin. And I think it just looked really good. It was really impressive seeing the fans go out. Because I think quite often fans can sometimes see the players have been quite far removed. Whereas they are, I think at Kilmarnock, you can feel there's a, a community feel now about the club, which is good. Yeah. I, I think as well because, um, you know, and people sometimes have criticisms about our uh, pitch, you know, being a synthetic pitch. But one of the things about that is that the players are in there using that for training. So they're in and around the club. They had, 
access before obviously lockdown. Um, they were regulars in, in the hotel or in, you know, in and around the club uh, you know, so that people would see them and see them as real people. Uh, they always uh, want to help out with any of the kind of community initiatives uh, that we're involved in and I think that's been really good for us. In the past, uh, when Kilmarnock were training out with, when they were training up in Glasgow, I don't think there was, a, there was that kind of same sense um, at all. And, you know, and the players have got a good interaction because obviously you know, the fans are important, our sponsors are important. That's been something else during lockdown that we've been really working hard on is to make sure that our sponsors are still going to be on board because, again, they're really important for the club finances and the players are always willing to help out with things there as well. Yeah. Just on the subject of the pitch, we had a question from a, I don't think he's a Kelly fan, I think he's just a, a fan of football. Um, so Jeff, he was asking about if the plastic pitch, does it help in terms of like big savings because you get to use it for other things outside of the actual match day itself? Um, I think the, the, the main thing for us really is that we've got the opportunity to use it for training. Um, you know, the academy can use it, um, you, you know, so... It meant the way it was either that, or if we really had a grass pitch, then we would have to find an alternative training facility. And we felt at this time the best thing to do in order that we could have a good balance of you know money spent on the facilities, but also on the player budget, that this was the best way forward. So that the pitch you know was really it was a new pitch, but it works. I know it's not. Everybody doesn't like them, but it works for us in terms of, you know, the stadium and, and the type of facilities that we've got. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is with the likes of the plastic pitches and things like that, plenty of clubs have them as training pitches, um, and there's no complaints about that. It's just when there seems to be the actual games itself getting played on them, that's where the complaint is. Uh, so. Yeah, as I said, I think, I think it's a matter of, of choice, as you say. You know, your people are, you know, that pitch is used... The players are training on it day in, day out, uh, and, it, and it can also be used for um, other events um, as well. So, yeah, it works for us. And you don't get many match postponements um, from that as well? So. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Speaking, um, you mentioned we've also touched on the fact that fans are the lifeblood of the game, and football without fans is uh, is nothing. We're also going through a testing time where the start of the season has got no fans there. But Nicola Sturgeon said on Thursday that from the 14th of September they'll be looking at fans come back come back to grounds. How big a boost will that be to come on? And what sort of um, plans are in place in terms of a reduced crowd at Rugby Park? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of things there. I I, I think. You know, I went to, to see a couple of the friendlies, the pre-season friendlies that Kelly were involved in, and I was there, obviously, to see the Hibs game um, on uh, Saturday. And it's just a surreal experience being in that stadium uh, with sort of um, the kind of fake fan noise uh, in the background on Saturday, which which I found a bit disconcerting. Uh, and it, the, the, there is just something strange about it. It doesn't seem right. You don't have the people... Um, actually in there and I don't know how the players are feeling about it but it must be a kind of very odd uh, set up for them. And I think as far as Kelly are concerned we, we would be more than happy to be one of the testing sites if you like um, for getting fans back into the stadium and um, again ironically we've got a, a stadium that is uh, bigger than our uh, requirements in terms of uh, the, the ability to seat people so I think we could probably work on um, social distancing uh, fairly uh, in a fairly straightforward way, and obviously, you know, happy to be involved in, in those discussions um, as, as they go on. With no indication at the moment as to 
what numbers or what percentage of fans or whatever would be able to uh, get back into the stadium. But we, we're certainly happy to, to try and work uh, on that and do it as, as quickly as we can. I think the other thing that was a real, you know, it was a real disappointment for, for our fans that they couldn't get to see the game streamed on Saturday, the first game of the season. And um, Pips took their decision, uh, you know, because they wanted to, you know, keep the integrity for the season ticket holders. I know that a number of Hibs fans were disappointed about that as well because some of them contacted us. And I think for our fans, it, it took a wee bit of the shine off the start of the season, to be honest. But again, we'll kick on and, uh, you know, just see how it goes over the next few weeks. Yeah, I do know one of Comarica, uh, one of the clubs that have priced the pay-per-view quite sensibly. at 12.50, same as Livingston, so, which I think is a reasonable price. I think if you're charging, like... Anything above twenty pound and that, that's a difficult thing if you're at home. Livingston is twenty, John. Yeah, Livingston. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, a... we, yeah. We, we, we've had a lot of discussions, you know, not not just about um, you know, the, the pay per view pricing, but you know, all the way we had to think as well about our season ticket prices, um, and trying to be fair to the fans. So we, we've done similarly to Motherwell, uh, did in terms of fans will be guaranteed the nineteen games, so that if we're out of the stadium. For a period of time, they'll, they'll still have that, um, and we tried to kind of freeze the the um, season ticket prices where they were before. But we had to balance that with getting in enough income, obviously, and um, to have the, the player budget that we want. And we've tried to do the same over the uh, cost of the the pay per view. Uh, we felt that you know it, it wasn't, it, it probably wouldn't have been reasonable for us to be asking our fans to fork out a huge um, amount more. Other clubs need to do what what they do. Um, but you know, for us, we were trying to get that balance right and trying to be fair, and that's been one of the things that's been running all the way through this. Is trying to you know, give the fans the best deal we can. Yeah, I know the uh, EFL when they had to shut down the championship or when they brought the championship back, they did a blanket every um, ten pound for every game. But I get uh, obviously championships are more prestigious um, league in terms of finance. Was that ever discussed with the SPFL, or was it just a case of uh, each to their own? Well, I think that the ultimate decision was it was each to their own. And, and, and again, you know, I think there's arguments around could we have done something that was a bit more creative um, around maybe a kind of season pass, you know, for all the games or, or whatever, or, you know, something that the fans would have found easier um, to work with. But at the end of the day, look, the decision was taken that it was each to their own. Uh, we had a, had obviously some thoughts about what we'd do if that decision um, arrived, and we just put that um, in place. We would, like other clubs, we're going to have to do our testing of the streaming uh, service, which is going to be happening um, tomorrow. So uh, we're hoping that uh, there's no technical hitches around that, because I think that's the other thing that you know the fans you know want to see the game, and, and they don't want there to be. Too many problems, so, so let's hope that goes well. Yeah, because what, what kind of numbers would you normally get in a virtual stream if it's the likes of international fans watching? Is it a high number? or? Um, we've got a, a, a fair, I, I don't know the, the exact numbers off the top of my head, but there's a kind of reasonable um, number. Uh, and I know that um, people who uh, have watched the, the kind of international uh, feeds before uh, people are quite quick to, to feed back if it's not if it's not working yeah. um, and, and you know there's a number of uh, issues I am doing um, last last season so I mean I, I'm, it, things should be working well and again like other clubs we, we're trying to put together a kind of whole proper package for folks so that you're getting the 
pre-match, the you know half-time, you know piece, you know in the post-match, all on um, Kelly TV. And, and again, there's a, as you know, there's a lot of work in putting those things together. And we have you know two people in the media team um, at Kelly who are working really hard on this, as well as all the other social media uh, press output. Uh, and everything else, so um, they ain't sitting with their feet up, that's for sure. <laughs> I could think, was it Rangers, I think, today announced Clive Townsley's doing theirs, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting one. Yeah, well, I mean, w w one of the things that, that we'll, uh, we will look at is uh, we've got our kind of uh, normal team that, that does the commentary uh, for us, they, they'll be working away, but we'll probably have some former players uh, through the piece as well, because um, again, I think the fans like to hear, you know, um, that we've uh, through the trust we've been doing a, a whole series of um, podcasts around Kelly histories with with former players uh, in much more in depth interviews, and that has proved extremely popular. Um, so I think some of those uh, players now maybe be up for doing a wee bit more and maybe come and do something for Kelly TV as well. Oh, definitely, yeah, the fans love it. Uh, I was watching actually some of your. I think it was last week, and you had Alex Dyer on as yep. well. Seems a, a good guy, nice bloke, very chilled. He is. Um, he's he's, he's uh, very very chilled, and uh, you know. But uh, I, I, I keep saying to people, you know, he's looks like Mister Cool, laid back, but you know, he's the gaffer, and if he says something, it goes. So, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> You can imagine a happy dressing room with him involved, though. I think players are going to play for him, which is a big thing. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, the players definitely uh, respect him. There's absolutely no doubt uh, about that. And I think they, they like his style and they like his um, approach. This season, you know, this is his first opportunity, really, to bring in the players that he wants. And, and he's working, obviously, with, with James uh, Fowler, who's a long uh, history with the club. Um, as well, and, and hopefully that partnership has brought us in some good new uh, talent and, and some of the players, and we'll continue to, to do so. Yeah, I think one of our, uh, my brother-in-law, he's a Cali fan, and he was pleased in terms of the transfer business done early as well, and getting players in early, which definitely helps in terms of getting off to a good start in the season. I, I, look, I, I think, again, if we're being honest, and, and, and Kelly fans would tell you this, that the past couple of transfer windows have been uh, a bit uh, at the last minute. Sometimes that was through no fault of people involved. Players change their minds or agents get the better deals um, or, or whatever. But this time, and again, you know, people took advantage of the opportunities during the you know, the close down to be tracking different players, looking at who was out there and having a, a, a very coordinated and planned approach to this. So we were able to do some business early. Some of the things that we might have wanted to do didn't come off, but, you know, that's that's the way of the world. And we, we just need to go on with it. Yeah, because it must have been t particularly difficult in this current time with finances and maybe having to change budget and changing targets, I would imagine, as well. Yeah, and and if you know we do, we we don't have um a, a massive. So we're not you know, uh, you know probably the kind of lowest sort of by, by any stretch of the imagination uh, budget. But at the end of the day, we've got to be realistic, and particularly this season where you know there's so many uncertainties still around. And I think most clubs are probably the same. They're looking at you know what can we get, who can we get, and how can we um get an established team you know, for the season ahead, but maybe without, you know, too many longer term commitments until we see how things go. 
This year we've been able to rely slightly less on loan players. Last year we had a lot of loan players uh, coming in. And, and, you know, that can be good because it freshens things up and brings in uh, different aspects. But we certainly wanted this time to try and get some players signed as you know, um, you, you would know by having a look at the average age of our squad last season, we wanted to kind of try and get some younger players in, and that's been a, a, a main focus for the work that uh, James Fowler has been doing. I've got a couple of questions from um, a Kilmarnock fan, Alan Taylor. I don't know if uh, you'll know the name, Alan Taylor, hopefully. Um, he, first of all, he, say, he, was, he says it's interesting to know why, after the success of Steve Clark, why you decided to go with. Um, two rookies, essentially on the lesson and Dyer, although they've got a good coaching background, they didn't have a managerial job. Why did you go down that route after um, Steve Clark? Well, I think um, it's, it's probably just worth saying that you know there was a process around when Steve left, there was a fairly robust recruitment process um, at that stage and you know, I mean, I, I was one of the folk who was very disappointed things didn't work out uh, with Angelo Alessio because again decent you know, n- nice guy, um, and uh, you know, I, I just wish it had um, worked. It didn't. Um, I think one of the things that we know um, from uh, about Alex is that you know he's, he's shown loyalty to the club and wants to be with us and, and wants to you know try and take things forward and you know get us back up to where we would we would like to be. So um, both of them, obviously, Alex worked with Steve. So knew his methods and, and knew how um, he worked. Uh, and I think, you know, to be fair to Angelo, he certainly came with a coaching uh, pedigree. You know, there was no doubt about that. It didn't work. You know, we are where we are now and we want to see things, you know, improving in the season ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he also asked, um, was Greg Taylor club record fee? Because we know it's undisclosed, but is it a record fee? It's undisclosed. <laughs> what's, the, what's the question? I says it's always worth a question. Every time, I do, every time I do a Q and A, somebody will say, "Well, you just kind of, you know, try and it out." No, I mean it, it wouldn't be fair um, to be saying, uh, you know, when when the agreement was, uh, you know, that it, it, it was an undisclosed fee. But uh, you know, on the Greg Taylor stuff, I think you know, having watched. Uh, you know, the match the other day, I think all the Kelly fans were sitting pro- who were watching it are probably going, yep, that's what Greg does because he had a good game. It's just a shame he can't play right back because <laughs> we've got too many left backs. <laughs> <laughs> He's done well on a Scotland shirt, to be fair, whenever I've yeah. seen him play. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you've got some add-ons included as well in the deal anyway as well. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was going to ask, obviously you're a Talbot fan as well as a Camaric fan. So my brother-in-law is asking, now that Talbot are in the pyramid system, will it mean that maybe Kilmarnock are more likely to loan players to Talbot? Well, um, I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, yeah, I'm a Talbot fan, although since I've gone on the board at, at Kelly, I've had uh, less opportunity to go and watch uh, Talbot because I've been very busy with other things. But, um, you know, and whether it would be loaning players out to Talbot or to other uh, clubs. I think that's something that we would be interested in doing. I know there's a number of clubs, uh, you know, at, at different levels are interested in having some kind of partnership uh, with Kelly, uh, looking to get some of the young players out. And of course, at this point in time, you know, there's still a, a degree of uncertainty around what's going to happen with the academy uh, football side uh, returning. Um, so I won't make any kind of promises or commitments because that's for uh, James Fowler um, to do. But other than to say, you know, there is a willingness 
uh, you know, on Kelly's site to look at, you know, how we get the best experiences for our young players. Yeah, it's going to be interesting certainly to see how the pyramid system is going to work with the West of Scotland. I think it's going to be competitive, um, That that's for sure. Uh, and I think um, we'll see some new and interesting rivalries formed there, yeah. um, I suspect. I definitely will. I think Davo in particular, certainly, there's going to be a few rivalries there. But it's good for the game, though. You want teams to aspire to being better, I think, as well. So, I, I was choosing my words carefully there because our uh, main sponsor, of course, John Ball, obviously having yeah. the, the Darvel uh, connection. So it, it never kind of fails to uh, rub it into me that, you know, they're determined to take Talbot's crown. And I've got, nope. You've a long way to go to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had, we had Mick Kennedy on the podcast last season, and to be fair to him, uh, he comes across as a nice guy and that type yeah. of thing. But it's a, I think it'll be a friendly rivalry as well, and that's what you want. Um, well, well, that, that's what we want at the end of the day. And, you, you know, the, I mean, Ayrshire Junior Football has got such a reputation. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, but at the same time, you know, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, people do enjoy the matches and, you know, that, that kind of bit of rivalry that, that goes on. Yeah, I mean, if we're thinking about how we're going to struggle to get uh, football played, all the games played in the senior level, the top the top level, I mean, the season's not going to start till maybe October, and they're going to have to cram in, I think, about 38 league games because of the size of the league, so... Uh, well, you we'll just look at the number of games that Talbot didn't play towards yeah, the end of yeah. last season and how the fixtures, you know, had backed up uh, in that context for them, and, you know, and that's, you know... That wasn't, you know, a good situation for anybody. Nobody enjoyed it when it was at that stage. Red are still looking to finish last season's Junior Cup as well. Yep. We talked about the Scottish yeah. Cup being a problem, and even though that our respective teams in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I had um, I was supposed to be going on holiday, and all in, in June, and I, I kind of timed my holiday um, to leave the day after what would have been the Junior Cup final. I was always <laughs> living hope. You know, yep. it's usually there or thereabouts. Yeah. So I always kind of try and time my holidays, um, you know, not to coincide that, of course, uh, with, with lockdown and everything, it, it, it didn't happen. So, um, yeah, we'll get there eventually. Uh, but moving, kind of moving on in terms yeah. of your actual t- kind of monarch itself obviously you're a fan of the club so when we've got guests on we like to talk about like football and memories and stuff like that so what's your early memories of kind of following Kilmarnock? Well it's, it's interesting because um, my mother always uh, said that I was destined to be a Kelly fan uh, my, my father came from another part of Ayrshire um, but my mother's <laughs> side of the family were all Kelly fans, and uh, in the she she always told the, the tale of in the 1957 Cup final, uh, I was in my pram at that stage, and the pram was decorated in blue and white ribbons, um, and was kind of pushed around the town. You know, I'm excited Kelly didn't win at that time, of course. Uh, but I suppose my kind of earliest memories would be around the, the time when Kelly won the league in 64-65. I was at primary school at the time. There was a real buzz um, around because Kilmarnock were, you know, doing really well. Um, ha- having said that, there were a lot of my school friends and, and kids around who supported one or other of the old fun. And I can remember chatting to my uncle, who was a Kelly season ticket holder, and, and I said to him naively, how do you decide which football team you support? And he, he was just kind of straight up and said, you support your local team. That's it. And and he, he also said to me, and if you, you can't be a supporter if you don't actually get involved 
and go and see the matches. At this stage, I'd never been to the game. It was just that, you know, everybody was, you know, talking football. So um, the next week, I was duly taken off to Rugby Park, and I think he probably thought that that would put me off, but that was me hooked. Just the whole excitement, I can... He sat in what was the Frank Beatty stand now, and I can remember going upstairs and just walking and seeing this, the whole mass of the pitch and the players on it and the noise, and yeah, I thought, oh, this is great fun. So um, that was me from, from then on. Um, you know, I, I went with him for years uh, before I, I started going uh, on my own, but I moved over to stand in the, the terracing, as it was then, uh, round about where my uh, own seat in the, the stadium now is in the East Stand. Nice. So would you have gone to like your, the European fixtures back then as well? Um, I, I didn't get, um, unfortunately, it's one of the things I never forgive anybody for, I didn't get to see them. That's one thing that my other half, my husband, has over me. Right, because okay. he was a wee bit older and he got there and I didn't. <laughs> so, because I was still quite young at that time. Yeah, I've heard some stories from my father-in-law getting taken to early games, the European games, the big ones as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did get the programmes. They were brought back for me, but I wasn't allowed to go. I wasn't allowed to go. Uh, so maybe your kind of favourite players and different things like that growing up for even um, I, over I time? Think probably the kind of original favourite player was Tommy McLean. Uh, because he was the, you know, and it was interesting because he's just done one of the, the, the podcasts uh, for for the trust and, and you know uh, talking about all the, the, the kind of the, the history of things um, and uh, you know in, in terms of uh, other favourites I mean if I think of some of the, the players that I, 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 I really liked I mean when Tommy Burns came to Kilmarnock I mean it was just for me that was just one of the best players I'd ever seen in a Kelly shirt um, and I was a big fan of you know what he did you know on the pitch as well as uh, around about the club um, and so on. So, but what, lots of different ones. Over here. I have to say, I have to say as well. If I don't mention Raymond Gomery, then yeah, I'll <laughs> so absolutely, Monty was what one of the stalwarts and one of the favourites. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Did you get to Ibrooks that day? He lifted the Scottish Cup. Well, I did. I did. Um, it, it was it's interesting that day. We, we had a bit of a drama that day because we'd intended to have a kind of family day out and family and friends. And we'd booked a minibus to take us up. We were going to go for lunch, have some tea, because my son was quite young at that time. And then we were going to uh, go over to the stadium and watch the match. The minibus didn't turn up. Oh, no. So at the last minute, we were all piling into cars, getting up to Glasgow, doing all of this, and arrived kind of slightly, you know, um, stressed. Um, my mother, who hadn't been at a football match for, you know, 20-odd years, came along and... You know, we were all there. And it really, you know, folk talk about that as the kind of family final. But there was definitely that kind of sense of it that day, that whole sense of people were, you know, was dressed up in costumes and there was literally that kind of sea of blue and white uh, everywhere. It was a fantastic day out. I like Totten get um, kitted out that day. He had, he had the guilt on. He it's did. ironic because Kilmarnock um, had sacked him earlier in the season and then he was managing the final. But um, I think Bobby Williamson... Um, earned his job that day because obviously come on at one. I, I think it, certainly all the players that day you know have ended up as being the the Kelly the Kelly legends uh, there's no absolutely no doubt um, about it but it was it was a great a great day out and uh, one that we kind of like to relive every now and again Would that be your favourite then game? Um, it, it'd be one of my favourites I think the one actually in some ways 
from a one point of view, the 2012 League Cup final when we beat Celtic, I, I think I probably took a bit more excitement out of that because I don't think anybody expected us to do that yeah. that day. It, it was a bit like, you know, when we played, you know, in, in the Scottish Cup final, it was, yeah, yeah, it was 50-50, could have gone either way. Nobody expected us to do it in, in 2012. Um, and uh, I had actually, I, I was... Um, in, in Parliament at that time, I was a local uh, MP, and I was invited by the club to go up with the, the club officials and everybody else. And I decided not to do that um, and to go with the kind of folk I usually go to football uh, with family and, and be over in amongst the, the supporters. And, and it was just such a great atmosphere um, at the end of that, and then going back into the town afterwards and, and doing the bit of um, celebrating. And so at one point, I actually thought my uh, poor husband who was next to me was going to pass out with the excitement um, <laughs> of all he was getting so carried away. <laughs> um, in, this, in the semi-final, you beat Ayr. That was a, a, a big occasion, um, having so many people from Ayrshire and Hamden that day. Um, and I know they're your rivals, but how much would you like to see them get into the Premier League? Well, that, that's one of those questions that I'll be damned <laughs> if I do and damned if I don't. Because if I say yes, I'd like to be, see them in the Premier League. Um, then I'll have the, you know, uh, people saying that's a bit disloyal to kill it. But look, Kilmarnock and Ayr is always, you know, that rivalry, um, you know, is is always going to be there. And I think, to be honest, if Kelly fans have been honest, we kind of do miss having those derby matches. Um, so um, who knows, maybe we'll draw them in the cup again. or um, you know, and, and again, you know, going back to anything, you know, anything can happen. Talbot uh, against United and look what happened there. So oh, okay, here's one for you then, because uh, one I get asked sometimes about Talbot and Aberdeen. If Talbot and Kilmarnock were playing, who would you, which side would you in? Or would you have to be a side each half? Uh, I, I, somebody I asked me that um, after the uh, Talbot had beaten the air, and I was kind of like I said, I was going to try and do the diplomatic. I think I might have been holiday that day. <laughs> um, I don't think I would get away with that um, somehow. But um, I, I think it would be uh, difficult. Half and half scarf? I'd, I'd probably have to have the half and half scarf. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a director of Kilmarnock Football Club. Yeah. And that was my, I suppose <laughs> Kelly was my first love. The reason I, I started uh, really uh, watching Talbot uh, was um, again, it's one of these kind of family things. My grandfather was from Lake originally, and always thought of it as the centre of the universe. You know, nothing, you know, good ever came out of anywhere other than Ockenlake, <laughs> and it was just that was it. That was that was why I just kind of took an interest in the Talbot. Yeah, I married into it, and there wasn't much choice given. It was basically like, ah, you're getting to a Talbot game at some point. Uh-huh. Good way to bond with the father-in-law, mind you, when we were. <laughs> I started dating my wife, so I. I've still not that. been to a juniors game. Um, that's something I'd like to do is maybe take in a juniors game, and I'd like to go to a women's game as well to see how that would go because we're trying to take more interest in women's football as well. Yeah. Um, they deserve a bit of a profile, given what the yeah. national team's done. Uh, I, I, absolutely, and I think what, what's been really good um, is you know getting more of a profile for for women's football, and you know. I, I, the, the kind of recent, uh, you know, stuff that's been done around Rose Riley, for example, you know, just that kind of whole history of how difficult she found it 
to kind of break through in how she literally had to leave home and go abroad to, you know, uh, get the opportunity to play and, and, you know, all the success she had. I think, you know, reliving some of that has been good to, to show, give a bit of a role model to girls and, and young women that look, yeah, you know, there's an opportunity there um, as, as well, because it certainly wasn't encouraged when, when I was, um, you know, uh, younger or at school or, or, or whatever. Um, and and I, I played kind of kickabout football at, at primary school, but once she got into secondary, it was just like, no, doesn't happen. Yeah. We had Leanne Crichton on the podcast last season and she said she'd probably not got any kind of proper coaching in women's football till she was about maybe 15, 16 years of age. Before that, yeah. it was just playing with our mates, like the boys and all that type of thing. So mm-hmm. things have uh-huh. moved on, thankfully, now. Um, yeah. These girls are, well, women are now role models for future players and, yeah, the success of the national team has been brilliant. Yeah, but anyway, get yourself to a, a juniors game if you've not been one you've not loved. <laughs> I keep on inviting them. I have invited them to a few, a few. Uh, but I'll be the west of Scotland. That's still I will get you. Talbot Comnick, and then your eyes will be opened up, uh, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah when, when I was the MSP in in Comnock, um, Comnock Juniors uh, very kindly gave me a, a strip with um, MSP one on the back of it. <laughs> Didn't stop me following the Talbot. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, Favourite memories then from Talbot, following Talbot then as well? Um, I think uh, probably the kind of numerous cup finals, uh, some of which have been uh, up and down uh, over over the piece. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, that that's probably the kind of best memories is, is seeing the, the Junior Cup wins. Yeah. And the very famous day that we went to... Um, Timecastle, although we didn't win, um, I, I definitely think we were robbed on that mm-hmm. occasion. Aye, the first uh, time, yeah. But that was a, a really good day out, and it, and it showed that you know Talbot could be up there and, and you know hold their own um, against uh, Hearts, and so it was it was a kind of friendly match. Loads of people went and and really enjoyed it, even although we didn't win. Yeah, it's interesting with that actually because. Um, was there talk? Was it last week about the Scottish Cup? And they're talking about only having fifty-two teams in this season, yeah. which would be quite sad if that happens. So that's yeah. the answer to the cup, I think, having as yeah, many teams involved as possible. Yeah, there is that wee bit about you know they talk about the bit of the kind of cliche, but it is true to an extent of the magic of the cup. It just gives that opportunity for a wee upset song, as we are not on the receiving end of an upset, but an upset somewhere or something different, or just gives people a wee bit of well, we might go a bit further than normal. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, if you're not a fan of Celtic and Rangers that are used to winning trophies so often, the Cup's what you look out for. You think you've got a chance there in terms of winning a Cup, whereas with the league, you think oh, it'd be a, a pipe dream uh, these days. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that, that's true. I, mean, I, I suppose in, in some ways I've been relatively lucky. Uh, you know, even as a kid, Kelly winning the league and then the Scottish Cup and, and the League Cup in my lifetime. I'd like to see us doing one of them again pretty soon. <laughs> We've waited longer for the Scottish Cup, Cathy. Let us have a shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, we usually end with um, a round of what's known as quick fire questions, but um, we retail them slow fire because that's how long it takes us to get through them. Um, you shouldn't mix um, 
football and politics it's often said but I'm going to do that with this question um, so who would make a better footballer ma- manager Jack McConnell or Gordon Brown <laughs> oh um, I think Jack why yeah. um, I-, I think he would get I- I'm going to choose my words carefully here I think he would get a-, a team of people together and make them play I've actually seen him on the, the TV the other day and didn't recognise him Jack McConnell uh-huh. <laughs> I can't see he's got a double take, was it, to his name coming around? Oh, I saw it is. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. All of us who were around in politics at the beginning of the Scottish Parliament have aged quite considerably, I think. <laughs> Some better than others. <laughs> Apart from Rugby Park, what's your favourite pie at a football ground? Oh, I'm vegan, so I, I don't eat the pies. Unless I get a vegan pie. See, here's a, a topic actually. My son's vegetarian, and we found actually going, and it's probably it's most grounds actually about Rugby Park. I don't think he could find an option to eat anything at half time. Mm. Yeah, well, you, you can definitely um, at Rugby Park. You sh- you latterly you could get a vegan pie or a vegetarian yeah. pie. But he likes chips. So if I, that, if I know. judge on uh, anywhere that's got a vegan pie. Um, I've always fancied a wee trip down to Forest Green Rovers because they're a vegan club and I'm sure that I would get a choice of pies if I went down there. Yeah, I think I watched a documentary about them actually. Yeah, it's really interesting the way they've kind of adopted the whole environmentally conscious and kind of vegan approach and they've got a very, I don't know if you've seen it, but they've got a really interesting away shirt this season. It's like a zebra pattern. Right, okay. On the strip. Controversial, I'm sure. I don't know how well that would go down here, but uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of footballers now following vegan diets as well, though, isn't there? There, there are um, quite a few, I, I believe. Um, whether people would follow it, you know, for over a, a long number of years, I, I don't know, or whether it would be something that we'd try and do for a period of time. I've been vegan for a long time, so um, one of the, you know, things that I've was really keen to do is make sure we've got a vegan diet, Kelly, so we now have that. I know some people talk about the macaroni pie, and um, that's often something that you see, so but most people I've spoken to say that's not a good com- Well, Chris, the other regular, says that's not a good combination. Yeah, well, I have to say it's so long since um, I- I've eaten anything like that that I-, I can't, I can't imagine what it would be. What it would be like. I, I did get special vegan pies made for the 2012. Uh, for the, the cup final and John Gall from Downings who, who's our sponsor now um, you know, took it upon himself to make a big tree of vegan pies um, I, I think they were kind of like ratatouille and sweet potato and things like that, they were lovely, absolutely lovely I can see that you know, perhaps that maybe wouldn't suit everybody but I really enjoyed them. Yeah, he likes a gourmet pie don't he, now, doesn't he? Because there's a fair range of gourmet pies that they do at Brownings as well yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a whole, we now have a we now have a choice. So I, it's not that I'm criticising any other pies at any other ground. It's just that I have mm-hmm. never eaten. That's a fair enough answer. What would be your, what's your favourite drink? Your favourite tipple? Um, favourite tipple, uh, probably Cuban rum. Oh yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, Havana. <laughs> uh, absolutely, Havana Club. Older yeah. the better. Definitely. I don't drink very much and very often. If I do, then I've got a, you know, that's what I would have in the cupboard for, yeah. for emergencies. Fine choice. Other than um, 
your many conference calls and watch and watching news channels. Um, what would you be watching um, during lockdown, box set wise or series wise? Um, do you know I, I'm really not a big uh, watcher of, of stuff like that because I'm I'm pretty I'm usually pretty busy. So uh, I tend not to watch anything that I've got to spend a lot. This will sound really bad, but I've got to spend a lot of time on. So I might watch documentaries or I might watch uh, you know things like that. But I'm, I, I don't do the kind of binge watching a box set, so terribly boring in that context. So I think a few people we spoke to recently have given a similar answer. So I think we'll be ditching that question soon. <laughs> now that, that lockdown's pretty much over. <laughs> or we could go for the one that uh, Greg asked, yes. Greg Patterson. Uh, what would be your, your, well, we'll just ask, what would be your Desert Island disc, like music-wise? Um, Paper Roses. An album, or you know, um, yeah, an album, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was really in uh, um, punk um, in my earlier years, so it would probably have to be the Clash. The Clash. Any particular album? Uh, probably London Calling. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a. I mean, I think we'll put that one in now instead of the the lockdown thing, because hopefully lockdown yeah. will be over some point soon, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I probably spent more time in my garden during lockdown than in the house. Just to be outside, so. You get Kelly gnomes in your garden and Talbot gnomes. Uh, I don't have them in my garden. I do have a Kelly gnome. I was bought a Kelly gnome for a birthday present, and it actually sits. I, I, I work from home quite a lot, so I've got a kind of office in the house, and the Kelly gnome sits in the office. Do you have any other questions, John, before the, your, your showstopper that you like to do? I think it's just a showstopper. Um, showstopper. And a, apologies that we've not prepared you for this. Um, yeah. We always ask for a best of living from your lifetime. Um, from, well, in your case, it would be Kilmarnock. So if you want to give us your best one to living and the manager. Of course, that would take me ages to work out. <laughs> you should have given me some and I would, um, I would have thought of... The, the, the simple answer to that is going to be just the, the side that won the league. 64, 65. That's fair enough. Yeah, that's just fair enough. put them all in one. <laughs> right. um, we need to thank you as well, because we were supposed to organise the charity game through Black on Side on the season, and yeah. you kindly donated tickets through Kilmarnock. So mm-hmm. we'd like to thank you for that as well. And yeah, um, hopefully, when things are back to normal, they kind of winner can get to use them. As well. Yeah, well, um, we're always keen to try and support different uh, charities and you know good causes in the local community, and you know through. Uh, KCST, you know, it's one of the things we do is try and give out um, tickets, you know, obviously for local groups and organisations, but for anybody who's doing a fundraiser or, or anything at all uh, like that, you know, try and give people um, complimentary tickets where we can. Yeah, no, we really appreciated it, so thanks again for that. Yeah, thank you, Cathy. Yeah. We're probably going to move on to the season review, not the season review, sorry, the, the weekend review <laughs> of Action Eye. The season's not over already. Um, <laughs> so it's up to you if you want to kind of carry on with us or if you've got other things you need to do. Um, we, won't be, we won't be offended. Well, if, if you're not offended, I will uh, duck out here because I have an early start uh, and a long day ahead to, um, tomorrow morning. So thanks very much. I hope that was uh, okay and uh, enjoyed chatting to you guys. Perfect. No, thanks very much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Cathy. Yeah, hey, definitely. Cheers. Really good All the best for season. Cheers, right, thank you. Bye now. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. So, yeah, the, the football uh, returned on Saturday.
Uh, yeah, Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah. Someone better tell Aberdeen that. <laughs> well, aye, well, we need to start with that game, don't we, seeing as it's the first game. Um, and hopefully Chris will be joining us at some point so that he can maybe kind of put a bit of happiness into the, the weekend review. But yeah, seeing the lineup initially, I was pretty pleased with the lineup. I don't know, but I think you, you were the same as well. It looked pretty positive. Yeah, I mean, I think we all knew, although we, we signed uh, the boy Edmondson from Leeds on Friday, it was, on, it was always going to be Bruce Anderson starting, given that obviously Cosgrove out for. Um, it's now looking like 12 weeks rather than four months, which isn't too bad. Um, so it was always going to be Anderson starting and obviously means injured. But just the way we approach the game, I mean, it's almost as if every time we come up against. Well, a lot of times we come up against Celtic Rangers. We're almost we, we try this press, but it doesn't. It's almost half-hearted. But it just the thing that annoyed me about the performance by far the most. It wasn't even so much. I mean, the press for the first goal, Kennedy should be close at um, the tavern. I know that was what um, McInnes touched on, and the defence is too high up. Taylor's caught in his heels, and Ken goes through and scores. It's a nice finish, but um, he gets in far too easy. But any t- we were happy to let Rangers have the ball and they get Rangers of better players than us but any time we got the ball in that first half especially, we were giving it away and there was just a lack of composure, um, the midfields went completely missing um, o- Ojo was pretty poor, Ferguson was pretty anonymous, Bryson tried to link up with Anderson but it was at times getting too close so then you're leaving a gap um, between defence and midfield and it's just yeah, it, it just wasn't a good performance from Aberdeen at all and I mean, Rangers, for Rangers' point of view, you would probably say it was a professional performance. I don't think they were outstanding. I think they did what they had to do and they'd done it well. Um, they were the more threatening of the two, but even then, I don't think Joe Lewis had many saves to make. But that's not to say Rangers didn't deserve to win the game. They were the better team and uh, um, I think it was comfortable more than anything for them. Yeah, I think well, so. The boy at the back, um, Balogun, looked pretty good. Yeah, I think in particular in the first half, yeah, I mean, you've basically kind of summed it all up. Allow it, something we always do is allow Rangers too much time in the ball. And you can sometimes understand that because at times we have beaten them, taking that kind of approach, um, allowing them time, because we know they don't maybe create loads of chances and that, but the high press cost us in terms of maybe pressing a wee bit too high. And we'd got the Warren before, because remember Kent had gone through and go where he probably mm-hmm. should have maybe beaten Lewis to the ball and pro- maybe kind yeah. of scored. So we, we've been given the warning signs and then there's just... Kind of, mm-hmm. not just Kennedy can be blamed because then you've got McKenna diving in Taylor as well and Anderson maybe doesn't get across but I thought Rangers movement was pretty good in the first half where Kent and mm-hmm. Hadji and that's caused us a lot of problems in Arable because the fullbacks didn't know do you come off the, your position or do you let someone else deal with it and that that's probably what's caused us there um, I was actually wondering whether we might change and do the old man marking system that we've operated before against Rangers as well and they were overrunning us in the first half. But yeah, same problems as last season in terms of void of creativity, really slow and you think really slow in possession and yeah. lack of urgency. You're thinking maybe with Hayes back, it's going to give us a wee bit more um, impetus going forward. And I, I still don't think this Rangers team is particularly great. I think that's a strange thing as well. I think you've seen Lutburg certainly last season, teams having a go at them. You'll, maybe you've got a wee chance, but you play that kind of risky, risky game, you're unlikely to get a result, I think. Um, mm-hmm. As you say, not many chances. I think there was 
Taylor blocked Arnable's shot towards the end. There was that. But then what did we create? There was a goal with scramble, which maybe we could have got something out of. Yeah. Aside from that, was there much else? Um, there was a no-jose shot that was deflected, so it was just aye. comfortably held by McGregor. Um, um, Edmondson looked good when he came on. I think he looked like mm-hmm. he, I think straight away, won the first header um, as well. Won a couple of headers. Looked like he kind of linked up the play quite nicely as well. Will he then maybe end up playing against St. Johnson? I don't know. Because um, Bruce Anderson, just unfortunately, I don't think it's his natural role to play up front by himself. And he was very isolated as well. I think if you're, you're playing up front, you need to get your wide players or your attacking midfielders a bit closer. And, and that wasn't happening uh, mm-hmm. with that as well. There was confusion as well. Like Bry- It seemed like Bryson was the only one that wanted to press their players. Whereas everyone else was standing off. I thought the midfield was disjointed. I would have maybe had Ferguson further forward and Oyo sitting deeper. So that... Mm-hmm. Because Oyo was more natural in terms of maybe distributing it. the ball, though his distribution was pretty poor on Saturday. Yeah. But I think you could say that for the majority of the team. Um, okay. I thought Hedges looked quite bright when he came on. I like Hedges. Because I, I think he always wants to take on a player um, with that as well. So I would be interested to see what happens against St. Johnson. Obviously, Constantine suspended. Do we, does Hedges drop back into left back or does Hoban come in yeah. or whatever? What will happen? Um, to be changed system as well or different things like that. So we'll get a better idea maybe of how our season can go then. It's, it's just the, the frustrating thing is we seem to always give teams too much respect, whereas I still I think we've got a really good squad even if you look to that bench at the weekend as well, when you consider the players we've got out, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty decent looking squad. It's a, it's a bit using it, right? I mean, what gets me is any time McKenna or Taylor gets the ball, the first option is just to lump it to um, whatever strikers there. It doesn't work with Bruce Anderson because he's not um, tall enough or physical enough. Um, and Goldson and Balligan, you know, that eat them up all day. Um, you know, I think we've got decent enough midfield players that we can play a passing game. I know it's difficult against a team like Rangers, but you've got to try and mix it about. Um, and I would like to think that St. John's will get in the ball, ball more. I would like to see Dean Campbell given more of a run in the starting lineup because I think he's a very composed player. Anytime I've seen him brought on in games, he looks really good. And he's he's performed in big games as well. Remember that um, Rangers quarterfinal a couple of years ago in the Scottish yes. Cup? Um, I brought, he was outstanding that night. Um you know, he's very highly thought of, so I would be looking to, you know, play him. I, I agree Hedges should um, is maybe be a wee bit unlucky that he's not had more starts because it almost seems to be like any time he plays, he plays well, he doesn't always get back in, in the team the next game. Um, wingers do flit in and out of games, um, but Hedges seems, there seems to be an issue there. Um, but um, as for the red calf, of course, I don't think we can complain, but it but, you know, it's been hi- highlighted by Craig Gordon in sports scene. Arfield also goes in like that. And, yes. you know, it could easily have been him, but we can't complain. It's the way he's went in for, the, in for it. Studs showing you're not getting away with that in, in this game, um, in this, this day and age. Yeah, you see Johnny Hayes' reaction as well. When Johnny Hayes straight away, I think he's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. right. It's probably going to be a red. Um, so... I will see what happens. But yeah. Rangers, I think, professional performance, as you say. First half, I thought they were really good. Second half, I think, the contest was a bit more even, but still, we didn't really threaten much. Yeah. They didn't really do much, and I think they were quite happy just to, to play mm-hmm. the game out. They, kind of, they had the feeling that we weren't creating anything and we were unlikely to score. Yeah, um, I think so. With that. As you say, Balligan was good. Um, I thought Aribo was pretty good in the first half, but I think... Mm-hmm. 
maybe a bit quiet in the second half. And I think that's an issue that Rangers fans have got with him is consistency. One minute he can look like an absolute world beater, and then the next thing you're like, is Adible, is he playing? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, difficult as well to defend against them because they put their fullback so high up the pitch. Because mm-hmm. it was forcing Kennedy and Hayes back a lot. So that was difficult. But you've got to kind of try and counter that. Um, yeah. When we do get possession and we just weren't effective that way. But yeah, move on anyway to the next Saturday and hopefully things improve. Yeah. It's only the first day of the season after all. Exactly. No point getting worried yet. Um, the other games, you know, Hibs, maybe a bit of a surprise. I think Boyle started up front because Adoy's been injured and took his goals well. It's probably a, a good position for him with his pace as well. Well, he was used through middle um, more often than not last season and, you know, he got more goals and he looked more of a threat. Um, I think he was obviously helped by um, Eastwood for the first goal because, you know, there's three covering Kelly players and he decides Russia Blood came out um, and Boyle rounds him and scores. And then I think Boyle's second goal was well taken, but the goalkeeper doesn't really go full stretched. It was interesting he was taking off half time. I like that Alistair says that he was injured. Yeah. Um, just got to take him face value for that, but it didn't look great. Um, but there's no doubt what the goal of the game was, um, and that's the leading contender for pick it out. Burt's free kick is just superb. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's posted stamp, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Hibs, I mean, we kind of spoke about it last week. I think Hibs will be pushing for third place, I think, in the league. And they've got good options in their team. Um, yeah. You consider Dodge wasn't in the team. I think the mm-hmm. likes are Horgan on the bench, different things like that. Experience of Stevenson as well. I think the young boy Dodge came in and did pretty well. Jack Cross has spoken quite highly of him, had a good mm-hmm. pre-season um, with that as well. Mm-hmm. I'll get so, you solid, solid signing, I think. Well, he's definitely a good solid signing, yeah, because that's something they've lacked for a while, probably since they lost Bartley, actually. In terms of like a midfield presence, someone that's going to do the dirty work and yeah. and the, like the likes of Scott Allen play, um, mm-hmm. and Scott Allen, I like Scott Allen as a player. Yeah, and he's definitely far more effective if he's higher up the pitch doing things and mm-hmm. with that as well. So yeah, I thought Hibs were good. Kilmarnock, I think, are still maybe in a, in a transitional period in terms of still trying to get used mm-hmm. to the way Alex Dyer wants to play. Plus a lot of personnel changes as well. They've yeah, it's quite a few kind of changes in that in that team. The starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they had chances in the game. I mean, on another day they could have had a draw, but, um, but yeah, a decent result for Hibs to kick, um, start off their season. Yeah, do we think then that Rodgers will now be first choice? I think he's got a chance of being first choice. Um, no, I, th- I think the Eastwood, um, I think it was his cat, his quads, I think that's what I said in the interview. So that could be a couple of weeks. Um so yeah, Rogers has got an opportunity um, in the next game to take it. Yeah, I think a big thing as well for Kilmarnock is whether Craig Kelty can fi- finally fulfil his potential. Because when he first came through, he looked a really good prospect. Remember he was linked with Aberdeen actually at one point. Yeah. But I right. think he's a player that maybe he's back. He's a few loan spells here or there. And maybe a time to cement his place at Kilmarnock and, and do well. They've got a couple of youngsters as well coming in. The boy Cameron. Millen mm-hmm. as well. So it's not an easy next game for Kilmarnock because they're playing Celtic on Sunday, Sunday night at half four. Um, so it doesn't get much easier. Um, Hibs got a tricky game away to Livingston. Aye, um, no. The next game. Aye, especially with Livy's home record. 
yeah, exactly. I think Lewis will be happy to be back in plastic because um, they don't have a good record in grass and that happened again at the weekend, losing to St Mern. Um I think Chris put on Twitter that he thinks that Tate scores a contender for um, pick it out. Um, it's a well-taken header from a good cross, but I don't know where the Livingston defence are. The line they've got in the hand, they switched off. They're maybe not expecting Tate to, to like ghost in like that. Um, but yeah, good ball in, and then I take as like from nowhere. Whether maybe they're trying to play an offside trap or something like that, because you never really seen different angles of the the goal. It was just really him coming in late and kind of headed in. But as I said last week, I know Grant tipping St. Mirren to go down, but I think they've got pretty solid foundations for their team. Yeah. Um, I think someone as well mentioned about the fact that. The guys at the back, I think three out of four have been captains for clubs as well previously and different things like that. So they've got experience that leadership yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to get bio on loan from Celtic, which could be a good signing mm-hmm. up front. Yeah. I don't know. If, I, I still don't think they'll do what Tony Fitzpatrick is aiming for, um, top six. I think that's maybe a wee bit too much pressure. But, you know, as we said last week, I think Josh Onis is a very smart sign and he knows league. He was part of a very good St. Johnson defence. Yep. Um, Richard Tate's been part of a very good Mullow team. Um, so they're two very solid signs at the back. Um, and Annika I think, is a decent goalkeeper as well. To, it's a hard ass replacing Vladke, but I think he'll come in and do a good job. So, yeah, I think um, I think St. Murn will surprise people. They've got a tough one on Sunday. They go to uh, Ibrox. Um, because Rangers have got the European game this Thursday, but no, they'll be. I think their next. I think in the next day, I think they've got um, Rangers, Ursa, um, Aberdeen, and, and Celtic within that. So it was a good thing to get their three points on the board. That's yeah, it. definitely. Another one to watch out. Maybe they like um, St. Mirren's McAllister. He's mm-hmm. back now, permanent as well. I think he's a good player. So mm-hmm. gives them some kind of attacking options as well. Yeah, definitely. But they do probably yeah. need a striker still. But yeah, always to get a striker that's going to get you double figures or upwards mm-hmm. of that, maybe up to twenty. If they could get this bio, um, then then that could that could be a good sign because I don't think he'll get in the. I think he's about fifth choice at Celtic now. Behind, well, you've got Edward, obviously, you've got Clamalla, you've got Griffiths, um, and I think they're talking about bringing someone else in. Yeah, I think they have said. I think Celtic have said that bio is uh, free to go out and loan as long as they get someone else in. Because obviously there's a wee bit of uncertainty about Griffiths and I thought it was interesting. Yeah. There was almost John Hart, and was sending him a personal message yesterday on Sky when he was talking, was talking to Griffiths and saying, look, maybe I know there's difficulties in that, but try and kind of sort things out because you're a, a, right, a good, right good asset for Celtic in terms of the goals he scored. He's over 100 goals when he's, he's a top player when he's, he's playing and he's on form and fit. It's a frustrating thing, Griffiths, because I mean, he obviously had that spell out with his mental health problems, and you know, it's good that he took the time out. Um, and we were almost writing him off in January, and then um, when Celtic sent Clamalla, um, we were saying he should maybe go and loan to Hibs or whoever. Um, but he, he got his chance in Celtic team, he took it, he was firing all cylinders, then lockdown happened. But the way Lennon was talking, um, it's almost as if this is your last chance, son. It's almost his reach breaking point um, because Griffiths didn't do the things he was expected to do. If there is something else that's going on, I hope he sorts himself out. Um, so we'll just need to wait and see um, what happens. But it's up to the player now. Um, he's, I mean, it's not as if he's a spring chicken anymore. He's not the promising youngster that came through at Livingston. You know, he's in his thirties now. So this is this is a chance for him to show to 
make use of what's left of his career because he's only got a few years left. Yeah, definitely. At top level. He's maybe just it's one of those kind of situations where buying needs that group dynamic as well and I think a lot of plenty of us suffered during lockdown in terms of maybe not seeing people and different things like that. Yeah. Maybe that just he needs that people around him to kinda of help with his fitness and different things like that and yeah. have that support as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other game obviously Dundee United returned to the, the premiership. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be disappointed not to win considering St John's going down to ten men. Oh, without a doubt. Do you think Michael Hallam could have got a straight red for his first tackle? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably worse than Continents. Yeah. Um, I would so. say. And um, the frustrating thing I would think as well there, Callum Davidson's been talking up O'Halloran and saying he's had such a good pre-season, looking back to his, old, his best and different things like that, and then he does that. Um, just silly. Just, yeah. There's no need. And, can- and the second one as well, there's no need for it. I don't think the actual... The one he gets sent off, the I thought it was a bit soft. I went, yeah. don't think there was a need for a card, but maybe he'd been given a warning because he went in the keeper at one point, and maybe the refs had a word for that. Yeah, maybe he's... the refs had a word for him and said, "Look, you're on a yellow already. Calm down." So maybe he's given the ref no option um, later on. Aye, yeah. I think so. Um, maybe uh, ho- hopefully Davidson will have hammered the Masters. You could argue you could have took him off that point because well, you can use five subs these days as well. Yeah. Um, you know, but maybe that's something that Davidson will learn from the next time he sees someone running that much of risk, he'll, he'll take him off. Um, but it's a very good point for us to just enjoy. It's a good goal by Liam Craig, not great defended by Mark Conley, who should be heading that out. Um, instead, he tries to do a clearance, it doesn't come off, but. That's a difficult skill to follow, the, follow that from there, and they took it very, very well. That would be my contender as well, I think, for pick it out, that, that, mm-hmm. that volley from Craig. Yeah. Um, certainly a contender there. Mm-hmm. Dundee United, one thing about them, I think they'll get goals with Clark and Shankland up front. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, I think I think Shankland has probably got more chance of delivering in top fight um, now that he's had that couple of years. I mean, there was always promise about him, but it didn't work from Aberdeen. Then he went to didn't really work out at Monday Morton initially in the championship, but he found his feet here, has built himself up. Then getting the move to Dundee United, all right, it was still championship, but it's still a higher level, and he took a little duck to water. Um, so much so he got recognised as Scotland international. This is a big test for him to see how he gets on in the Scottish Premiership. Um, Another day he's probably finishing that one that he had near the end where he's left, or if it had been his right foot, he might have stuck that away, but left it hands up in the stand. But Clark took his pair well. I mean, that might do him the world because he's not been really tested at the top flight. Again, he's been a good League One championship striker. Um, but yeah, possibly. Um, I would say Shanklin's got the better chance at the two, but you never know. Yeah, and uh, in middle of the park, sports team focused on Hawks. American mm-hmm. John Hawks. I remember John Hawks that played for America. Yeah, in Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, he was a good player. Because um, I've, I've not seen much of Dundee United actually in the Championship. I never really watched them. Friday, Friday nights, I didn't tend to watch as many games as what maybe yeah. I'd watch other games. Um, yeah, I'm not really good. Good energy about them. Um, yeah. With that, but yeah, I would say they'll be disappointed not to not to get three points there. And St. Johnson under Davidson after him saying that he's not really going to change things went with a three-four-three. Mm-hmm. So maybe a slightly more attacking lineup, but I think yeah, there was a wee bit of criticism in terms of maybe them getting over in the midfield, only having the two in there. So whether mm-hmm. that's something they'll maybe 
change or whether he's going to, that's his plan, he's going to go with 3 4 3 and let the players adapt to it. They have got good attacking options in there. In yeah. Ah, and they've got Pollock from midfield as well, and uh, they still get the boy McMullen that did well from last season. Cammy Smith, um, he he was a little unlucky not to get a goal. Oh, sorry, I was meaning St. Johnson. But, uh, oh, St. Johnson, sorry. Because <laughs> uh, they put the likes of McCann that did well last season in the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was going to kick on, but then up up top, Hendry I thought was impressive before lockdown. Mm-hmm. Before things changed, obviously May, May was on the bench. Mm-hmm. You've got likes of Chris Kane. Um, and then you've Wotherspoon had a couple of chances in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, well. yeah. And then O'Halloran when he's on his game as, as well was a good option. Yeah, uh, And maybe playing the three at the back will help them with at the back where they struggled a wee bit defensively last year, which is unlike them. St. Johnson are usually a pretty solid team defensively. So. It was interesting that it went by yeah, like Parish and goals instead of Xander Clark. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I know he says he wouldn't have changed too much, but I think um, he's got to send for his own stamp on it so that he doesn't try and replicate a, um, a Tommy Wright team. Because um, then. No, because I remember um, on another scale, Chris Coleman, when he was a Wales manager, tried to copy Gary Speed. It wasn't working. Then he says, I'm going to do this my way and named a different captain. Look at the success he had. I'm not saying that Callum Davison's going to do what Chris Coleman did for Wales. Yeah. Um, but. You know, if he's going to um, take St John's at another level that people think they won't get to because Tommy Wright's gone, then he's got to try and do it his own way. Yeah, definitely. And we know that in terms of Aberdeen, we all usually got a tough test against St Johnson. That's where we're going next. Yeah. Well, that's the Saturday games. What did you think of the fact that sports scene returned on Saturday night and what did you think of our coverage? Well, I'll be honest with you, I never saw the Saturday night coverage because usually, you know how when you, with Sky, you set things to the cord? I think probably at some point I've maybe cancelled the recording because obviously the football finished. Mm-hmm. So I've never seen the Saturday night coverage. I watched the Sunday night coverage instead. So mm-hmm. I, can't, um, I can't comment. I've heard good things about it. I heard that yeah. Shelley Kerr and Craig Gordon were really good. I thought they were, yeah. Um, you can get an eye player, by the way. Um, but yeah, I thought Shelley Kerr was really good. Craig Gordon, years ago when he was on it, I thought he looked a bit um, like a fish out of water. But... The weekend, I thought he spoke very well. As I say, he mentioned the um, the tackle, um, the the Arfield part of the tackle. Um, but I thought he spoke very well. And yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan Sutherland, I think he's always been a he's getting better as a presenter. I think from when he first started, um, he's obviously was a reporter first, but I think he's found his element. Um, yeah, he's a very, he's a very good reporter. I must, I'll, I'll say as well, Sky's looked a bit better um, with Darren Fletcher. He's a very good addition there. And Alan McCoy, so obviously we spoke about before. Um, still not a fan of Chris Boyd. Um, like Ian Crocker as a commentator, and I like Ayla Barber as a presenter. So, yeah, they've definitely got good things there, um, Sky, this season. No, I agree. I think Darren Fletcher as well gave a kind of insight that you don't normally get in terms of from a player's point of view and mm-hmm. different things like that, a tactical point of view as well, which you don't get with some of the other guys. So, yeah, I thought he was a really yeah. good addition. And he'll talk about whether, him. Yeah, makes you wonder whether he, he's interested in management because the way he spoke was like... Came across really well. Um, I, I watched, as I say, I watched sports scene last night. I thought Stephen Thompson was all right presenting. I think a wee bit better mm. having that. I think it's something that he'll improve upon. I think I do think. I'd like to think. So I mean, I like Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson's pundit is a very good pundit. Um, someone I like listening to. Um, I'm not convinced with him as a as a presenter. I mean, I hope he grows into the role as well. 
mean, it's different being obviously in the studio as opposed to, um, you know, the unscripted with um, Leanne Creighton in the Championship. I've not seen enough uh, coverage of that to comment on either of them. Um, but, but yes, yeah, Thompson, um, I'm not convinced yet. We'll see how the weeks go because Jonathan Southern wasn't a great presenter a few years ago, but he's grown into the role. Um, one thing I'm, I, I, Marvin Bartlett's a good um, pundit. I'm James Fadden. No, yeah, I like Bartley as well. I think he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what well, I hope I'm hoping that sports scene because that, that was obviously the Sunday one was an hour and fifteen, which is fifteen minutes longer than the Saturday night. But you only had one game, and then they just reviewed the rest. I'm hoping going forward that. They try and incorporate some champion. Like obviously, when the championship starts back up, that they try and put in lower league action to try and fill some of the slots rather than going over the same games just with different bandits. Aye, that would be good. Um, I obviously I've never seen the Saturday sports scene. So did they do the same thing on Saturday with the managers talking during the games? No. Or was that just a Sunday thing? That was after. This is just something obviously they've introduced on the Sunday. I didn't right. Like that. Uh, I did. I think they not try that some other time. I think in sports scene. I think I, I'm pretty sure I've. Remember seeing something like that? I or maybe then make sure well, I need to record all the shows. So that, but then yeah, it's where you can be bored watching the Saturday show and then you've seen all the highlights and then the Sunday yeah. again and seen the same highlights. Or, mm-hmm. know, see what happens. But I um, Sunday game itself, Celtic Hamilton on Sky obviously again. Mm-hmm. Getting plenty of football on TV. Hamilton I thought gave a pretty good account of themselves certainly first half. They had a goal positive four four two. Um, young team was average age of. 22 I think yeah. um, and you consider the change, the change of personnel that they've had as well because they lost a lot of players in the summer you mentioned obviously Godric earlier who was a key player uh, McGowan who went to Kilmarnock mm-hmm. there's plenty of others as well that they've lost so yeah I thought it looked pretty they had a go at least yeah I think that's one thing you can say about them um, just that you know Celtic Celtic's quality just uh, shone through um, and I think Celtic have had slightly more in terms of pre-season games because Celtic got to go out of France I think I'm not 100% sure but I think one of Hamilton's games was called off as well um, and Celtic's fitness and the options they've got you know, um, I mean people were saying that Celtic don't know if they're picking Greg Taylor or Bolingoli if that's the performance Greg Taylor's putting in Bongoli's getting nowhere near that team because Taylor was superb. Definitely. Um, um, I, th- I think it's a player I've always rated. Um, I just think it's been difficult following in Kieran Tierney's shoes and plus he's had injury problems himself. But I think once he gets a proper chance, he will really nail down a left back position or left wing back, whatever they're playing. Um, two crosses to the goals. Frimpong looked good. Um, and to answer the question that you put in the, the podcast account, who had Edward in their, um, as captain of their <laughs> football, fantasy football Scotland team? I think the question you should have asked was, who didn't have him as captain? Well, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> I think the the only frustration I had is that I never made him triple captain. I did toy with it, but I thought it was too early to do that. Um, <laughs> I, touching the point of Taylor, I think as well, another thing that Taylor suffered from last year, apart from the whole Kearney thing, was that he was getting asked to play as a wing back, whereas at Kilmarnock he was more used to playing as a four. Yeah. Um, when he was there, I know Kilmarnock sometimes maybe play with three nowadays at times, but I think that was a problem for him, whereas playing as a, a full-back where he knows the role as a full-back certainly helps him, and obviously he's had a good you know, pre-season as such um, yeah. as well but yeah, Celtic looked like they'd not missed any football, they looked like they'd, they'd not had a break um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, you think that's the first game. It's quite a scary prospect, I think. I know you, some people will say Celtic are still maybe maybe a bit suspect at times defensively and maybe they need to maybe get someone in, whether that's, I don't know, someone to compete with Ayer and Edward, eh, not Edward, sorry, I, Julian, um, mm-hmm. just to give them a, maybe a rest sometimes and different things like that. Yeah. To keep our situation, obviously you've got Bain started and Barkas is obviously going to be number one. He's not been signed to be a number two. No. Um, but it's it, it's only like wee niggly points you're touching on with Celtic they, they, mm-hmm. going forward they're just terrific yeah the options it's, they've got I mean McGregor um, the way he can make reverse passes the movement of the likes of Edward I mean there was Klamala coming on and took his goal very well yep. um, and of course it looks as though the defender could get across but it wasn't be and uh, Ryan Christie he's a player that I've really grown to properly love um, he's a tremendous fan of watching him play yeah he's brilliant not just when he was at Aberdeen but begrudgingly I like watching him in the Celtic shot um, he looks very good he's just taking that chance and with Scotland I think he's got a, a key role to play in the Scotland team for um, years to come you've just considered again and we, we spoke about it often last year Rodgers not even getting off the bench you're thinking that's a good year and Chams had a terrific pre-season by all accounts and mm-hmm. maybe you can feel a bit uh, a bit aggrieved that he's not in the starting lineup mm-hmm. as well. We touched on the fact Griffiths he's not in the squad. Um, you've got the young boy Dembele coming on, who maybe he could have a bit of a breakthrough season. Mm-hmm. Dembele in terms of getting more chances, yeah. especially with this uh, five sub rule, because you would think. I was surprised actually yesterday that Celtic never made more changes earlier on because we're four one up after about what fifth, eight minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought they might have made maybe the likes of them coming on a wee bit earlier. I say only got maybe about 10 minutes. However, as you say, Clamalla comes on, makes an impact straight away. Showed a good, good few things, I thought. Good speed, good movement. The finish was fortunate because I don't think he connects with it properly. Um, but he looks like he's going to, he's obviously adapting to how Celtic play. And Edward, who touched on so many times, it just makes things look effortless. Yeah. He, he's, just, he's just always a step ahead. Mm-hmm. and everything he does I just think he's a, a, a brilliant player you can see him definitely going on to play for a top top club uh, yeah I think he's I think he's capable of it uh, yeah I think it's a matter of when whether it's um, at some point this season or at the end of this season Celtic will obviously be hoping that they get him tied into some form of contract to get even more money because he's got two years left in his deal and if it goes to one teams will not want to pay as much they might think well we'll try and hold off and then get him for nothing later on so I think that'll be key for sales if they're going to sell him they either get him doing the contract first or they sell him now but then Aye. if they're wanting to go for 10 in a row and do well in the cha- and get back into the Champions League because that's where they want to be they need to keep him yeah I mean I think they're realistic to know that they will be going at some point so what they probably need to do is extend his deal and maybe then say to him look we agree that you go at the end of the season yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know about putting in release fee clauses because that's a dangerous game because his value surely only go up and up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, from the Hamilton point of view, I mean, I know uh, Brian Rice said afterwards you can't really judge us against Celtic, and let's be honest, Celtic will beat other teams five one or greater at some point in the season. Um, very young team, I think a big test for Hamilton will be when they play Ross County at the weekend. Um, you know, a lot. Of, you know, we've all said that Ross County will be the ones to go down, but if, if tonight, um, as we record this, is to go by, we could be foolish because Ross County beat Motherwell. 
I'd wa- I watched the first half before we came on air, um, and I thought Ross County looked pretty good in the first half. Motherwell, yeah. I thought, were quite poor. I don't really understand though, why they're playing Turnbull out wide as such. Yeah. Um, that didn't really make sense to me. Problem is, maybe they've got a bit like Aberdeen, they've got too many good central midfielders. Because um, mm-hmm. it likes a Paul Worth, O'Hara. Campbell was in the bench tonight, which I was surprised at. Mm-hmm. You've got Donnelly. Um, but I think Turnbull, you want him to play him where you're going to get the best out of him. Um, but yeah, what? these next few weeks are going. I think these next few weeks until players get up to speed, and until some form of crowds start getting back in their grounds, I think you're going to see a lot of teams taking points off each other. Off each other. Certainly with Celtic and Rangers, that will be the case. I think you'll see Celtic and Rangers winning the majority of their games. It's difficult to see where they'll slip up, apart from when they play each other, but. It could happen. I mean, we saw that with Rangers implosion post-Christmas um, or post-winter break, should I say. But um, for everyone else, there will be a lot of points dropped. Um, and of course, with this five subs, there'll be a lot of rotation um, as teams try to feel the, feel the way back in after you know, five months. So yeah, it's going to be testing for, for everyone. Yeah. It'll be difficult to see. I think the thing for Rangers though is definitely they still need more depth or more maybe even yeah. actually their first team strength and if they to try and take the title away from Celtic. Mm-hmm. I think you looked at the bench for Rangers and Saturday it was all it was good, it was decent, but I think there wasn't you look at Celtic's bench you've got better options. Yeah. And you need game changers as a squad game now as well. You can't just rely on maybe your first eleven or fourteen, fifteen players, you need a bigger squad. And that's yeah. something that Rangers lack. Yeah. Well, we've t- we've just spoke about the, we've just spoke about the front options that Celtic have. I mean, the left graph is out. There's a bit of same bio out and loan on our um, Scottish Premiership team. If something happens to Morelos, whether he gets sold or he gets suspended or injured, they've got nobody to the foes out for quite a bit of time. Exactly. Yeah. The only person you'd be maybe depending on the player from would be Greg Stewart. No. Which he's not that, Rangers quality. Nice. Yeah. Um, I think Jordan Jones has been told he can leave. Obviously, he's a wide player. Brendan Barker, I don't think, is anything more than a bit part player. I've never made a squad player. Yeah. Um, I I'm say, still surprised Rangers signed him, to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, um, so they definitely need more. And there's talk of midfield, and there's a midfielder coming in um, this week. And then, yeah, they're definitely going to need a, a, a couple of strikers, I would think. Yeah, I would agree. And it was touched on, interesting enough, by Ali McCoyst that uh, Mirelis has joined, maybe been enjoying the lockdown as much as the rest of us. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not sure. No. I think it's a case of if when he leaves, not if. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, he was professional enough at the weekend, you know, he set up the goal very well. Um, he wasn't at his best, but he was still a bit of a nuisance um, to her back for. But he can, from what I'm reading, he's wanting to go. And you can't blame him, you know, he's got an opportunity to go to a bigger league to test himself more, get more money in that he's at, at Rangers and he'll be well paid at Rangers. Um, so, and it'll enhance his international prospects. If he wants to play for Colombian future World Cups and Copa Americas, he's going to have to be tested when he's playing in the French league up against your Lyons, your Paris and Germain, your Marseilles, rather than, no disrespect, your St. Mons and uh, Kilmarnock, etc. Um um, and he is someone that's obviously has increased his value with the, the goals he got in Europe against your, your Portos and your Finers will have lifted his value up 
I know he's still not scored against Celtic, but um, I think he's more than capable of stepping up and maybe being away from Rangers will bring him on as a player. Yeah, I know I'd agree as well. Uh, whether the, the the first ball where Glasgow doesn't help as well. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's definitely affected when he it's definitely a mental block when he was playing Celtic. I think it's too much on his mind. Um but then that could come back to bite as if he's still here come October and Celtic well, I say a bite, oh it's bite Chris and the Celtic uh, fans are bite his critics, but um I take a while writing off I would writing off Rangers chances of doing anything on Thursday. I think it's very difficult. Um, Leverkusen have been playing since May, and they've been—I uh, don't know their full form—but it was already a massive task for Rangers. I mean, they were outplayed by Leverkusen and Ibrox in that last game before shutdown, the day before shutdown, actually. Um, it, Rangers need to score three goals to have a chance of, of getting through. They need to win three, not to get through three-one for extra time. And nah. Can't see it. Oh, I know I, they've done all right in pre-season and they played decent against us, but Leverkusen's a bigger, a much bigger step than Aberdeen, and I don't think Rangers will be good enough. And I think their European journey will end, and in a few weeks they'll be playing the playoff rounds with us. Yeah, I mean I saw a bit of Leverkusen towards the end of the Bundesliga season, and I think they'll just be too strong, far too yeah. strong. Um, they're a, a step above any other teams that Rangers have played so far in the Europa League. Yeah, I've seen the women's um, the women's league finally got a start date. They're the same weekend as the championship. Yeah, I don't know why it took five months to come to that. Um, to be honest, they decided to null and void the season, which makes sense because it was only one game. Definitely. Um, lazy BBC headline: um, fourteen in a row stopped. No, it's just delayed. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, on that note, um, we've got. Glasgow City player Megan Foley on next week, which we're looking forward to. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, thanks, Glasgow City, for putting us in touch with her. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll be good. I don't know if I'll be on, we'll wait and see, but um, it's certainly a good one to get on and try and promote women's football a bit more. Because I think we're all guilty of not doing enough. Yeah, well, it was good tonight, even like having just any kind of women associate with football. We had Cathy on tonight, um, it's good in terms of hearing a different aspect of it. Going on in football, women in football. Obviously, had Leanne on last season with Megan on next week, and we'll look to do more as well. Yeah, because um, we've last year we obviously tried to diversify with covering more content across all aspects of Scottish football, whether it's the seniors, the juniors. Yeah, the thing I see that as well. Yeah, I mean, see, see when we were doing pick out last season and we were getting the random selections from the juniors um, and, and you know, further afield from that, that that, that was all great to, um, to to help promote that side of things. So it was weird at the weekend that we only had one league to pick from. I definitely, I, we were limited in terms of the goals. I think yeah. you don't, the ones you can pick out, the ones we've mentioned, what Craig's goal mm-hmm. and Buck's goal, I think are the, the two, I would say. Yeah. I think Burks would be number one for me. I can't see any dispute, to be honest. Aye. Well, I think as well, when they put it out to the vote, most people said Burks. So I think we go with the, the listeners and followers. Burks yeah. is a winner of the pick it out for this week. Yeah, we'll tweet that after the after we've stopped the recording. Um, in terms of funny moments from football, it's a bit hard to kind of maybe cover funny moments, but 
Hibs with their uh, cardboard cutouts. So there was a few things that stood out. Obviously, there was the kangaroos. <laughs> um, but I believe as well, someone managed to get a, a topless photo of George Tortolano from the, the 80s in there as well. <laughs> That's a blast from the past. <laughs> uh, uh, which was a, a, an interesting one as well. I think Hibs were the ones that did the cardboard cutouts, I think. I don't think I've seen any other clubs doing it. No, I think most teams had the, the flags and in Aberdeen's case did the, the stuff in the seats to make the you know, the statue fans, etc. Yeah. Um you know, clubs are also trying to do something to create some form of atmosphere in an old fan ground, you know, with the, the noises. But I noticed when in the Celtic game yesterday that the guy in charge of theirs was quite delayed when he was playing the cheering noises when Celtic scored. It was a good four or five seconds afterwards <laughs> that they came on. <laughs> Just hopefully they'll get his timing better for the next time they play, but it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, fair play to them. I don't think you can criticise clubs for whatever they do. Yeah. As long as... I think Celtic, to be fair, they put in like, a few... Chancellor, um, come on, you boys in green and that type of thing. You know, it'd be different if they were putting like the sectarian singing on it. But you know, the one at Aberdeen should put stand free on the hips ones. Um, glory, glory, high bees or whatever yeah. they're singing. Um, but just it's going to be difficult until obviously. I mean, we mentioned when Cathy was on that Nicholas Sturgeon said that the go ahead is from the 14th of September for stadiums to open to social distancing. Um, some people are still are, are thinking that's that's too soon. Personally, I think it's something to aim, for, aim for. I, I'm sick of negativity. I think we've got to have something to look forward to. Exactly. Yeah, we've got to have a vision in terms of how we progress. And if they're letting places, well, I think they're going to be letting outdoor things, concerts maybe might be available soon and stuff like that. Um, I still think they need to be careful. As I mentioned in the blog that I put on last week, um, whilst I think this is good, I just hope they don't make steps too quick. Cause my, um, we've got Scotland Israel game in the next month, which is supposed to be a sell. You've got the Old Firm game. I'm just hoping they don't build up too much into letting those be played in front of full capacity. I still think that's too early. Maybe later in the year when it's the Scottish Cup final, for example, that could be something. Um it's certainly good timing for like the Championship League One and League Two clubs, and who are going to be playing in the Betfred Cup at that point, so that they can get some form of fans in for social distances. As I've mentioned before, Aberdeen Rovers could easily have they had an average gate of um, just over 300 last season. They could easily do that. Clyde could easily do that, as we've said. Sterling Albion, I'm sure. Um, so it's good timing from the point of view, and that's where I think it should have started in the first place. Yeah, no, definitely, I agree with you. It needs to be a gradual process. It can't just be rushed. Um, and there's been a lot of thought put into it as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, anything else you want to cover? Or think we've covered oh, everything, think, I think. Yeah, I think we've, um, as usual, covered everything and maybe ran slightly over. But yeah, I didn't know where I was. actually went short and I thought it was going to be given that we had a great guest on for starters um, and then obviously we're covering league action. So I think we've done pretty well. Yeah, I don't know whether Christmas would have called for a, a light cameo sub appearance tonight, but uh, he's not made it, so yeah, maybe picked up a, a, a niggle kind of injury. Yeah, in, 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 in he's, 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 his, his he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's dropped his smirnoff face on his uh, foot, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I old Canizares with the, the aftershave bottle. 
for that one. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I remember a Dave Besson one where he drops salad cream on his foot. Salad <laughs> cream. <laughs> oh, dear. Aye. That. But, yeah, that's probably a wrap. But, yeah, good to get a wee mitts there, a guest on, and then covering the, the football being back as well. So, yeah, yeah, we'll be back next week. Well, I'll be back next week, and mm-hmm. yours will be depending on... Yeah, we'll wait and see. Other things, other factors, but aye. Cheers, John. Aye, cheers, John. And thanks, thanks again to Cathy. Yeah, thank you.